Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and unfortunately, it is not as jovial a, an introduction to the podcast as it was last week, uh, but we do have a lot to dig into, a lots of frustrating things to talk about, maybe some hope on the horizon, we'll see, but let's not delay it all, let's go ahead and get into it, let's introduce the guys. He wants to know if David Carr owes Marcus Mariota money. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, dude? There's no way. Nobody owes Marcus Mariota money. Uh, maybe, maybe other than gotta think about who was the referee that retired. Oh, yeah. I guess it'd be the other way anyway. So you know what? It doesn't matter because the referee. Sorry. I... Well, I guess Mariota would have paid uh, the referee. So, yeah, it would have made sense anyway. I'm 100% sure that there is a booster in Oregon that is still paying him money. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if Joe Burrow is just a system quarterback. Sam Black is with us. What's going on, dude? Listen, when the system is Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, even though T. Higgins hasn't really done much, uh, every quarterback is a system <laughs> Patrick Mahomes would be a system quarterback in this. <laughs> and I am Sean Deegan, and I want to know if a system quarterback will actually win MVP. That's a reference to the latest uh, odds on who's going to win MVP, and you might recognize Mr. Irrelevant at the top of those rankings. However, normally we dive into NFL news around the league and probably start with something like that, but... We are not going to tonight because we have so much to get into with the Chiefs. Unfortunately, the Chiefs go to Lambeau and drop the game to the Packers 27-19. to And so I would like to start off here with a discussion on who do you feel comfortable that the Chiefs would be a favorite against in the playoffs or even into the Super Bowl. So I'm going to read off, starting with the AFC side, you know, feel out who, I'm going to redo that. So I'm going to start off with the NFC side, seeing who you feel good about the Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl, and then we'll switch to the AFC side and see, okay, who do who you even feel good about them beating to get to the Super Bowl? So I've got NFL.com standings pulled up here, and this is what the, the with the playoff picture as it stands right now. I'm going to start at the top here, and I want you both to give me your opinion. Chiefs versus Eagles. Who is favored in that game, Eagles or Chiefs? Eagles. Yeah, the current flavor is the Eagles are favored. Right, That's kind of how I feel about it as well. What about the 49ers? Did the Chiefs match up with the 49ers in the Super Bowl? Who's favored? 49ers. Yeah, 49ers. And it might even be like a full touchdown just because, again, current flavor. By the time the Super Bowl rolled around, it'd be like a one or a two-point thing. But I think if it was right now, they'd would probably go crazy two weeks out and be like, Chiefs are six-point dogs going into this game. What about the Detroit Lions? It was a close matchup in week one. Uh, Detroit Lions now sitting at nine and three, first in the north. Who's favored in that matchup? Uh, be a lot closer. I'll, I'll say the Chiefs. I think they'll give it that one to Mahomes. But I think it would be a pretty close line. And I'm with the Chiefs as well. And I think it it would be like three or four points. All right. And Dallas Cowboys, who, funny enough, are currently in a wild card spot. But uh, where would, where do you think that line would fall? Chiefs favorite or no? I think, again, it would probably be Dallas just because their offense has been so explosive this year. Um, I don't know, though, on that one. That one's, a diff- it, that's an interesting one for me. Uh, Chiefs Chiefs by two points or so and that's pretty much all of the ones that I think are that they would not be favored in they could potentially not be favored in the other you know, division leader is the Atlanta Falcons and I don't think that regardless of how many weapons the Falcons have they would be favored ahead of the Chiefs so as of right now you've got two out of the four that I mentioned as teams the Chiefs would be favored against in the Lions and the Cowboys being the ones that they would still have a favorite in the betting odds, in the betting line. 
and the Eagles and 49ers being the ones that don't. I'm not as optimistic as the Lions and the Cowboys. I think it'd be a close line. I think you're probably looking at, you know, over under two and a half for those games. It'll be close, though. So let's flip to the AFC side and see who you have to get through just to get there to have a chance at one of these teams. I'm going to start at the top here with the Miami Dolphins. Chiefs beat them earlier this year in a, you know, what we all expected, a defensive contest. How do we feel about this one? Who would be favored in this game, um, Chiefs or the Dolphins? I think probably they would, like, betting lines would go towards the Dolphins. Um, I just don't think, I think, again, people are obsessed with offense, and that's what they do. I was going to go with who's the home team. That's who's going to get it by just a narrow margin. Next up on the list uh, is the Baltimore Ravens at 9-3, the team that the Chiefs have had some tough games with but have typically had their number. Um, where where do you see that betting line falling? Do you think the Chiefs are favored in that one, or do you think the Ravens take the, take the advantage there? I think I think Chiefs would have that one, um, just because I don't think I don't think the media or public trusts Baltimore yet. Right, they haven't had great playoff success yet, so I don't think they go with them until they do. And then Jacksonville Jaguars, the team the Chiefs met on their route to a Super Bowl win last year, a team who had been looking much much better um, down the line than lose a tough game to the Bengals and may have lost Trevor Lawrence uh, at least for. Uh, a game or two that uh, came out today uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday, December 5th, that he had a high ankle sprain as a result of the, the hit that he took in that game. Where do you see that betting line fall with the, the Jaguars and the Chiefs? I'm pretty comfortable with the Chiefs on that one. Yeah, even without the Trevor Lawrence injury, it was, I think, Chiefs either way. Perfect. And the other ones that are there that are the Steelers, Colts, and Browns are currently in the playoff picture. And I don't think that's going to be a, a problem with the Chiefs being favored. So I'll be honest, and this is where I, I love coming to talk to you two versus seeing how the Twitter world reacts, is that I think if you talked to the majority of Chiefs fans right now, very few of them, and maybe I'm not giving Chiefs and Chiefs Kingdom enough credit, but I, just based on how it looked like on Twitter, it feels like a lot of people would think, that the Chiefs probably wouldn't be favored in the majority of these. Like, I could see them being, based on, like, public opinion, I think I see a lot of people saying they'd be favored against the Lions and the Jaguars, but I'll be, I'm surprised that you guys said the Cowboys. Again, just taking the temperature of what it looks like out in the Twitterverse, which is, again, not a, a great measure of real life. It's just the, the measure that we have available at the moment. But that's what we're looking at. So... It makes me feel a little bit better knowing how you guys feel about that, but it's still quite the gauntlet to get through, and the, the struggles have been pretty prominent. So I did want to ask this follow-up question to to our Super Bowl check-in. Is that you know I, I kind of put on the rundown, depending on how you answer question one. So again, depending on who you have them as favored against, and I, I put that as a caveat in case you guys said nobody, but just. Based on how you guys have, have taken in question one, what do you think makes a successful season for the Chiefs at this point? Given the offensive struggles that they've had, losing to some teams that we don't feel like they should have. But again, taking into account that you guys have both said that you think they still be favor against teams that have looked really good like the Ravens, teams that looked really good like the Cowboys, the Lions, um, the Jaguars, there's, there's still a lot of hope there. Have your opinions on what makes a successful season, knowing the Chiefs had Super Bowl aspirations going into this year, changed at all? What would be a success at the end of this year for the Chiefs? Sam, start with you. I mean, we're spoiled to the point where anything below a Super Bowl is a disappointment. Um, That is what the Chiefs have been. Is that realistic this year? I, I don't. I honestly don't know. Um, so bar that, like bar what we, what our expectations have become, I 
think what's a success is number one, everyone's coming out of season fully healthy. I know that's cliche, but after this week, uh, I would just like people to stay on the field. And I think the continued development of, of Rashi Rice specifically um, is a huge, huge part of what I would consider a success because like I said, I I don't think we can classify, oh, we made it to the playoffs. Like, we're not the Alex Smith Chiefs, Chiefs anymore. Like, if if we're it, – it is Super Bowl or bust, and that is the reality of having a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. So, I don't know if we can look at it in wins and losses anymore as far as was successful. So, I'll just say the really continued development of Rushy Rice, like his, his utilization in the offense and feeling comfortable with, hey, we have a weapon – moving forward. Jacob, how about you? What do you think makes a successful season for the Chiefs going going forward from here, given what we know now about this team and, and kind of how you see them against the other favorites, both in the AFC and the NFC? Who plays in the Super Bowl is always remembered, and I think a big deal. So I think if you're somebody that says, unless they win the Super Bowl, the season didn't matter and it was all a waste. I mean, that person's crazy. If you're in the Super Bowl again, you are remembered forever. I mean, most people could go back five years worth of time and probably name every team that's played in the Super Bowl. Could anybody go back and tell you who played in the AFC and NFC championships for five years in a row? I don't think so. But I think you could make an argument that even a loss in the AFC championship game could still be a pretty successful season, and that's kind of that's been the low bar for Mahomes, and so... I would get people being upset if they didn't make it to the championship game. Like I'm like, I understand. I'm with you. You know, not getting there is disappointing. Um, like you guys said, having a down year for the Chiefs does is like you lost to start the playoffs, whatever that is for your team that year. And so I do think it's it's like it's somewhere right between losing your second playoff game is like where I think you can start to argue of that's when a where you can say a good season happened or but there's no argument that being in the Super Bowl is that was a good season. There's no argument even if you lost it. It is an interesting the reason I wanted to do this exercise is because I think it's interesting to see perceptions of the Chiefs. Because I think all alarms are going off about the Chiefs offense and to a point rightfully so. Like there there are problems within the offense. And if you go on a pro football reference, it's still a top 10 offense. If you average things out, they're top, they're 11th in points scored and eighth in yards. Like that's, that's a really good offense, but because it looks different and it looks hard and it hasn't been as good as it's been in the past, perceptions have changed. And everyone, I think at least agrees that there are things that need to be corrected, need to be fixed probably most of which can't be done till the offseason, barring a, a significant development of Rasheed Rice and you know resurgence of at least one or two other receivers like a Kadarius Tony or a Marquez Valdez Scantling or something like that. So I'm I am still of the mindset that as long as you are number one in your division, getting to the AFC championship game should be your goal if you're the Chiefs, at minimum. I think that's what makes a, a successful season. Super Bowls, I agree, Jacob, I think from a national perspective, being in the Super Bowl kind of cements your your season as a great one. Um, Not a perfect one, because obviously if you don't win, it doesn't matter. But for me as a Chiefs fan, knowing the importance of the Lamar Hunt trophy, I think getting to, uh, at least getting to the AFC Championship game, winning the AFC Championship game would be great, but at least getting there, is a must to have it considered a, a successful season. Can I add one more thing? That is a successful season. Again, it. I think I've gotten to the point where my viewpoint is not what the national media looks at as success. It's what the franchise is, the Chiefs franchise is a success. And this is a, we'll probably talk about it a lot more, I'm assuming, moving forward. Uh, if Brett Beach realizes, hey, uh, I can't keep going back to the well on these garbage-ass receivers. That's probably a win for the Chiefs after this season. That's a really good point. Yeah, if he can at least come off of his uh, draft receiver in the second round and pick the wrong one, 
that'd be great. Let's zoom our focus into the offense, speaking of which. I do want to ask this question because, Sam, you talked about the continued development of Rasheed Rice as being a, a key component of this being a successful season. As a whole, however, as the offense, is it reasonable to expect any improvement at this point beyond being a top 10, top 15 offense? Right now, it's you know, I, I would call it a top 10 offense because of the, the averaging out of 11th in points, 8th in scoring. Is it reasonable to expect them to be any better than they are right now going forward? Having you know seen what we've seen, we know what we know, we're down to the last quarter of the season. What's reasonable to expect from this offense? Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. I, because we've seen specific pieces that are still present in this offense be a lot more successful than we've seen them this year, i.e. MVS, even to an extent, Travis, Travis Kelsey, I don't want to put him too much because I think teams have realized that we have nothing else and have been able to guard him a lot better this year. But specifically MVS, Justin Watson, guys that, like, again, guys that we hound on all the time. But we've seen, specifically last year, like, MVS was a much more reliable player, even at the beginning of the season. So is it realistic for us to be the number one offense in the NFL? God, no. Um but there is a level of, okay, something's either got to give or it's just, it, it, it is broken. Like, and one of the two, there is no in-between here. Like, it, it's, it's they've got to figure something out or Andy Reid's got to start from scratch. And at the end of the day, the other thing is we have this guy named Patrick Mahomes who has at times gone from, I'm the best quarterback in the NFL to, I'm a literal god on the football field, and I can turn trash into gold, and we've seen him do it. Like, that's the thing. We've seen him take a team, put it on his back, put it on his broken ankle last year, and will us to a Super Bowl. So is it feasible that he can do that? Yes. Is it sustainable? God, no. Like, I don't want him to have to do that, and I hope we don't have to see that moving forward. But... I think we'll stay within that same range. I think you could probably see us get up to like that eight, eight, maybe seven in the NFL if things start to click. But again, we're three fourths of the way through the season basically. And we're still asking when things click, that's not really a hopeful sign. Jacob, what about you? Are, are you the mindset that it's reasonable to expect improvement at this point? Or is this offense just what it is? And we have to wait till the off season to, start seeing things that will will change the offense for the better. I think you're at a point where you hope that they found their rhythm with Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey, and they can push to averaging closer to, you know, 25 points. But that's my hope, you know. And 25 points, I think, is all they need to win games. The problem is, you know, when you're scoring 19, 18, things like that, it's, you're really trusting your defense. I think for me, the, your, your last point, Sam, about being three-fourths of the way through the season and still going, well, what can they improve is a bad sign. I think this offense pretty much is what it is. I think they'll have good days against teams they match up with really well, as long as they are able to pepper Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey with targets. And you know Isaiah Pacheco is able to, to be effective in the running game, which he certainly was this last game. I think it came down to that, you know, Rasheed Rice got nine targets, but then Travis Kelsey is only able to get five, which for him is a low number. And, you know, credit to the the Packers. They did a great job. But those are the things that have to be improved. You can't give the ball away. You have to make sure you're, you're just shoveling it to your best players and go from there. But I think this offense pretty much is what it is. I did want to ask one about a positive and, and not just the old doom and gloom, but what did you guys think of Wanya Morris at left tackle? This is the second time that we've seen him go in in emergency duty. This is a more extended period. So not again, not a full game. We're talking about extended period in terms of snaps instead of a snap, but was really involved in the run game, had a couple of reps in the pass game. It's, it's starting to look like we're going to get at least a little bit of data to take into the offseason as to whether or not 
we think Wanye Morris can develop into a starting left tackle on this team. So what do you guys think? How do you feel about Wanye Morris's performance at left tackle? Um, Jacob, we'll start with you. I didn't notice him other than the one sack that happened, and I'm not 100% sure I'm blaming him for it. I think it was too quickly he got left on an island and, you know, Mahomes' scramble was just like perfectly the wrong time. Um, so, yeah, I really am waiting on the Twitter experts to do the Wanya Morris cut-up snaps because someone's going to do it and they're going to be my hero. I have more on that in a minute. It comes from a very reliable source in Jeff Schwartz, so I'll get to that in a second. But, uh, Sam, what about you? What did you see from Wanya Morris? Did you see anything that makes you think that he could be a piece of this offense at left tackle or maybe somewhere else along the line? Or, or is it just, you know, hey, good job, Ricky. Now go sit back down. I, I don't remember where I saw it. To give credit, it could have very well been one of you two, and I don't remember. But whoever said it, it was something to the effect that Wanya Morris – coming out of college, and again, I didn't watch college tapes, so this is just off of whoever said it, either look like a first-round draft pick or an undrafted free agent. Kind of what he looks like. <laughs> like There are times when I'm like, dang, he is a mauler. And then there's other times it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's uh, that was regrettable. But like Jacob said, in reality, I didn't notice him like a down – there was no down tick. It is no different than having Donovan Smith out there. So I, I'm i fine with it. Like, it's another option. A young guy, unlike a lot of things, unlike I think wide receiver specifically where there's been a lot of talk, like we said, of, of Rashi Rice's development. And I think with a player with his play style, he can develop. But a lot of times wide receivers come into the NFL what they are, as we've seen with Sky Moore. Like, he is kind of what he is. Offensive line is is a position that they you don't come in like unless you're a god. It's very rare for you to come in and just be who you are. So he he's shown that he has talent. He has a specific set of skills that can be useful. Um, I'm not sure I like it at left tackle. Like I think he plays better. He'd be a better right tackle than he would left. But no, I, I'm I'm fine with it. It looked it was promising and. He looked like a guy that is not ready to start in the NFL quite right yet. So I am kind of with you guys in that. I thought for a rookie, which is kind of the caveat I put on it, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked like a guy who could come in and contribute, not completely wreck it. But again, for a rookie would be my caveat in that it's not going to look perfect. There are going to be mistakes, and some of those are going to be big ones that really hurt you. Now, the sack that he gave up, when I watched it live, I was like, wow, he got absolutely smoked. The cut-up that I saw, Seth Kaiser put it out there. And he said, how would you grade this snap? Because he was, I don't know if he was unsure or just wanted to get more opinions. He didn't give his own. He was like, do you grade this as a loss, neutral, or positive for Wanyang? Would you say that this is his fault? Would you put the sack on him? And Jeff Schwartz responded, no. He, you know pushes him out around the edge and Mahomes is, goes 11 yards deep with him. And then as you said, Jacob bails out at just the right time to where it's like a straight line for the edge to go get him. If Mahomes doesn't drop as deep, steps up in the pocket, doesn't bail out. He ends up with more time because how Morris ushers him around the edge. And again, not something I picked up on. It took somebody who, you know, obviously played offensive line in the NFL to describe it for me, for me to look at it from a different perspective and go, oh, so that rep's not actually as bad as it looks to the layman like me who doesn't fully grasp that. I am excited about the prospect of Wanya Morris at a minimum being that swing tackle who can be a valuable contributing piece when you need him to step in. I am hopeful that maybe there's a, a definitive jump from year one to year two and maybe you don't have to worry about left tackle to the extent that we thought we were going to at the coming this offseason you know how we talked about it even last week about going to you know where are you going to prioritize I think that 
he's shown enough that there's there's at least room for optimism that maybe he can take a, a big step going in a year two and be a starter on the line. Now, even if Wanya Morris does take a step forward, and there's no guarantee that he will, and maybe even if he does, he just is that swing tackle, there's still lots of other pieces that this team needs. Like, they need to be an effective offense, especially with, you know, where things are going with Joe Tooney's contract. You're going to have to keep Creed and Trey uh, with extensions at the end of next season. There are things that have to happen. Travis Kelsey's a year older. So I wanted to ask this to wrap our discussion up on the offense. How many weapons or pieces are missing for you to feel like the Chiefs can get the offense back to what it was, to where it was one of those things where they walk into a stadium and everyone's afraid of what Mahomes can do with the weapons around him, where you know that if you can keep them under 30, you had a great day defensively. How many pieces do you see them being away from that? Or if that's too much of a, a jump, just being an, a, a better offense than what we've seen this year to where we're not all constantly talking about the offense as being the problem. Sam, we'll let you bat lead off this time. Oh, I think, I think going into next year, you're looking at two. You're looking at a legitimate number one receiver because – I love Rasheed Rice. I think he's showing, like, <clears throat> the development he's had is awesome. He is, like, a, a yak monster. That's what he's good for. I don't know if he has any downfield skills because they won't throw him the ball downfield. So I think that's still a big question. I'm not going to classify him as a number one because he hasn't shown that yet. So, number one, a, a, a legitimate number one receiver. So in wide receiver packages, you're looking at random number one receiver, whoever it is, if it's draft or, or signing off season, and Rashi Rice is your number two, and then number three is somebody else, like whoever. And then I think you need, I think you need a tight end. Um, Noah Gray is serviceable, but we've seen what this offense needs is a tight end that is legit that can legitimately run. You can run the offense through the tight end. We will, will we ever get another Travis Kelsey? Who knows? We've, we went from Tony G to Travis Kelsey. So it's not like we haven't had two of the greatest tight ends of all time within a 20 year span. So it's not unlikely that we could get another one, but we Bam. probably have that. Bam. Yeah. Grab the aluminum foil and all with right, me, right. let's, let's, let's make our tinfoil hats. Hey, Georgia's out of the playoff. Brock Bowers is going to fall a little bit. Listen, don't even get me started. I'll trade. I'll I'll trade so many picks to get that. (laughs) So many picks. Um, No, but I think I think getting a young, specifically inline pass catching tight end is is going to be an important step for next year because Travis, like he's not getting younger, and I think he will continue to be very effective. But we need to find his heir apparent sooner rather than later, and I don't think that's Noah Gray. I don't think that's Jody, unfortunately, to to the dismay of the Chiefs' kingdom. Um, outside of that, like we could go on and on about about how we need to replace pieces. Like I think it's unrealistic to look at Tooney as more than like he he can't be on the team much longer. I don't think um, he's been a monster, but his contract's too big. Um, and then defensively, that's going to be a whole nother conversation that will be all off season. We can talk about that, but yeah, I think offensively, weapon wise, we're we're missing two, um, and I think that's pretty apparent. Jacob, what about you? Where are you at? How many pieces are the Chiefs missing to getting back towards you know being a a an offense that is feared in the NFL? Usually I'm supposed to disagree with Sam, but uh, I actually will agree with him and say two as well. I think it's one reliable tackle, one more reliable receiver. Because I'm with you on Rice. It's like he's somewhere between Chris Conley, Demarcus Robinson, and on a good day, Sammy Watkins. But, again, like you said, they don't throw the ball downfield. So Sammy Watkins isn't fair from, like, an ability standpoint. But from a production standpoint, it's fair. Um, so that's why I'm saying, like, yeah, you need one more reliable receiver. 
So, but yeah, I'm with you. And, and like I said, you know, part of the clunkiness of the offense is right when it seems like it gets going, you know, some an offensive lineman does something, whether it's a false start or a holding. So it's like you can take away one more issue at tackle, great. I'm going to say at least three, maybe four. I think left tackle is one. They absolutely need to address whether they it's Wanya Morris taking a massive step forward or they find a way to draft one, trade for one, sign one. I didn't even look at the tackle free agents as of yet, been too deep into wide receiver. I think tight end to both your guys' point is one that needs to be there. I, I love Travis to death, but even just to give him a rest so that he's ready to go at the back end of games. You know, that would be great. Dalton Schultz is a free agent this coming off season and only made six and a quarter million dollars uh, with the Texans. So I'm, I'd be interested in something like that. Just run a lot of 12 personnel. There's already chatter. The Chiefs are in on the Zach Ertz sweepstakes. So we'll see how that goes for a one year deal. And then, and they got to have a number one, the number one receiver. Cause I love what I've seen from Rasheed Rice. I don't think he's number one receiver material. I think he's a very good number two. I think his ceiling production-wise is probably Jeremy Macklin, a guy who's consistently between 800 to 1,000 yards receiving every year and can make some really big plays um, with Rasheed Rice specifically after the catch. Maybe different styles of players, but production-wise, that's kind of where I see him at, is that a guy who's going to get you a handful of 1,000-yard receiving seasons Maybe a few years where he gets double digits. Maybe he has that Dwayne Bow big year where he gets double, like 10, 12 touchdowns and 1,200, 1,300 yards. Maybe he gets that at a pinnacle and just doesn't, but doesn't do that consistently enough to be a one and consistently sits more than eight to 1,000 yard receiving range, 800 to 1,000. I think they need a number one. And I'll be honest, they might need a third. They might need a number three receiver because I don't trust Sky Moore. MVS will be gone because they can't rely on him. Justin Watson is a fine four or five. Like he's fine. I don't I don't think he should be on the field for as many snaps as he's been. I think it's unfair to him to expect that from him. I don't trust Kadarius Tony to be healthy enough to be a, a, even a reliable gadget piece. They don't play him right now. So I think it's at least three, maybe four, if you need a number three receiver, wide receiver. Not necessarily a tight end but a wide receiver. So I'll, I'll say three, maybe four. This is a rare occasion where I think I'm way higher on a young player than you guys are, which is pretty rare, especially wide receivers. Like yeah, I'm seeing, yeah. I honestly like in my head, I'm like, I see Rasheed Rice as what T Higgins is in Cincinnati. Like, I'm like, if you get a second weapon, He's a multi, I mean, a thousand yard receiver every single year, 10 plus touchdowns, because that's what he is. He's a yak monster that can, that they're going to throw screens to on the goal line and score lots of touchdowns. <laughs> so that's, yeah, new. I mean, that's, he, that's new. I mean, T. Higgins, 900 yards, six touchdowns, a thousand yards, six touchdowns, a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. His first three years in the league, and then this year, obviously, with the injuries and whatnot, it's been up and down. It's not necessarily because he's fallen off. He's been hurt. I mean, if he can do that, I'd be thrilled. I, I, I think he might not need a number one number one at that point. Let's so answer your question real quick, Sean, about tackle free agency. Yes. It's old and dusty. <laughs> your best option is Tyron Smith at 36 years old. Oh, God. Uh, and then it goes to Dwayne Brown at, like, 41 years old. Um, He's just guys who have retired. Like, that's um, what this sounds like. A lot Ooh. of other names in there. We could get Jonah Williams, the guy that uh, Cincinnati decided to replace with Orlando Brown. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm good. Uh, done that experiment, and I'm good with it. Yeah, it's bad. Let's flip to the other side of the football quickly and get to some things that are good, although maybe not as good as we're used to seeing them. 
Defense gives up 27 points to Jordan Love, and if you ask Jacob Allen about it, he doesn't understand how Jordan Love managed to put up 27 points given some of the throws he hucked up there. Let's start with the the broader question, though, in that is the defense finally starting to break down a bit given how much they've been – not that they aren't as good as we think they are. I want that to be very clear. I think this defense is every bit – the top five defense in the NFL that they've shown to this point. But now with the injuries that we've seen, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, Ryan Cook, like guys are falling. They're getting hit a lot. And they've been relied on so much this year when the offense has struggled, when they've had those games like they did against Green Bay when they only put up 19 points. That's it's not great. You need the defense to play well. Even when the de- when the offense puts up you know twenty plus, you, know, you asked a lot of them to hold down an, a Dolphins defense to under twenty point or Dolphins offense, excuse me, to under twenty points. After having flown to Germany, like there's a lot being asked of this defense, and then they give up twenty seven points to Jordan Love, who is a quarterback that I did not think was good, and still at times question that, but. You have 27 points to the man. So is the defense starting to break down? Sam, we'll start with you. No, uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, Jordan Love played well. Christian Watson is the one that I was surprised with. He is a lot like I have him on fantasy teams and he doesn't perform. And that's my gauge of NFL players that are not on the Chiefs. So, um, <laughs> no, he, he, he is – he is what he's advertised. Like Christian Watson is an athlete that's still learning how to play wide receiver and is slowly figuring it out. God, it'd be nice to have one of those. Um, but yeah, no, it, it it honestly looked like a game. It was the first game this year where it was like, yeah, Spags got out coached. That that was a bad. That the injuries combined with just it didn't seem like it was the scheme was there this week more than anything. Um, so I, I'm not after just one game again. We say we've said that about the offense plenty of times, and we're regretting that now. But after one game, I'm not super worried. Um, I think it was a it was a bad matchup scheme wise. Um, Spags didn't just didn't have his best day as a defensive coordinator. Jacob, what about you? Is the defense starting to show some cracks in the armor, or is this just a one off that? You know, it, it it was a perfect storm that they ended up giving giving up almost thirty points to the Packers. For the moment, I'm going with it was just a one off. Um, Drew Tranquil going down, I knew that was going to be a big problem. I was like, I don't know who else is going to tackle AJ Dillon, and the answer was no one. Everyone else just broke as well. Uh, I will actually disagree with Sam and say the Chiefs do have a couple athletes who are still trying to figure out how to play wide receiver. Their names are MVS and Kadarius Tony, and they can also, well, Tony can also get hurt like Christian Watson does. So they already have that guy. But I just thought it was a perfectly bad storm for them. Jordan Love, I think, was. I don't like to use the word lucky because he still had to use his arm to do this stuff, but he threw a lollipop that came down for his team. When guys throw off their back foot a lot and succeed, the law of averages is going to hurt them in the future. That's what I feel like happened to Russell Wilson this week. I think the same thing's going to happen to Jordan Love. He's throwing up a lot of balls to go get. Right now, he's, well, against the Chiefs, his offense went and got them. This is one of those I'm not – worried or concerned, but I'm now watching moments for the Chiefs in the season. Kind of how I felt about the wide receivers in the first quarter of the season. I am not worried, I'm not concerned, but I will now watch. I will now be more aware. Like, is this a one-off? Is this something that I need to monitor? Has this defense been asked to do too much at this point? You know, where are we at? Now, again, they've had some Big injuries to key pieces. Brian Cook has been playing really good football. Nick Bolton was the leader on the defense. Drew Tranquil might be the best linebacker on the roster. That's a lot to to get dinged up. Maybe they get Nick Bolton back this week. By the time this podcast drops, we may already know that he's going to play. But that's a lot to lose. 
And especially when you're talking about leaders in the middle of the defense who wear the green dot, that's hard. That's hard to replace. So I am, I am going to monitor. I'm not worried or concerned yet, but I will now be watching. I have one concern, and I'm going to make a joke out of it, but it is like a legitimate concern. Spags is like an addict that's been on recovery this year. He's gotten his chips. And this year, that game, he went to a party and got a little taste. And that taste was playing a linebacker that doesn't know how to cover anybody. And he's going to be like, oh, it's so good. It feels so good. (laughs) Because Neo Chanel, as much as I love that man, for going forward, when he has to go backwards, it is the ugliest dang thing in the world. Okay, you said all that. Spag's got that taste, and it's just going to be like, oh, just the itch. You said all that, and I thought you were talking about Jack Cochran. Same. That too. (laughs) That's another one. But I was concentrating on the guy that's actually a good football player first and was ignoring Jack Cochran. I also thought that there was a chance that you were talking about the fact that Dan Sorensen got cut today. (laughs) No. All all of it fits. Okay, can I also mention Chris Collinsworth is never good. He doesn't bring anything brain-wise. But he extra sucked to this week. And the thing that he just, like, would not let go was – Man, Jack Cochran has stepped in and just done his the Chiefs a big favor. I was like, "Are we watching the same game?" No, because <laughs> I don't think he actually watches the game. He's just given a name, and like that's all he does. Uh, here's how bad it was. I watched Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football. Like, wow, Troy Aikman is so much better than Collinsworth. I was like, he was that bad this week. It's like I would prefer the. I'm drunk 24-7 Troy Aikman analysis to the – I'm just a straight clown Collinsworth because, man, he was horrible this week. Here's Hard to listen to. Did Chris Collinsworth make you say, God, I wish I was listening to Joe Buck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how you know it's better. Here's, here's the thing no one wants to talk about with Joe Buck is that Joe Buck is not a bad broadcaster. He just is one that I think gets caught up in a moment. And I hate him. And, <laughs> and, and his color man is drunk 24-7. Or his old doesn't color. help. <laughs> I just, yeah. Thank you for saying that because I've been on that. I've been banging that drum for years and feel unheard. Speaking of this defense and the pieces that it's lost and uh, Spag's addictions, but what does this defense look like without Tranquil or Bolton if they can't go? You know, what are what are you expecting? Is it going to be you know, a, a vanilla version to try and allow for, you know, Jack Conkren, who will wear the green dot in that case? We already saw it this, this week. They, he got tossed out there, and he's the one calling plays. Is it a, a dumbed-down version of the Spags defense, or is it, you know, with a full week of practice, you know, full steam ahead for Jack Conkren at middle linebacker? Um, Sam, we'll start with you. What's DJ up to? Think you think we can get Derek Johnson for a week? I will hit up the guy. Him off the couch is better than Jack Conner. <laughs> um, no, I, I hope it's. I, I hope in all reality, if if we do not have either Nick Bolton or, or Drew Tranquil, um, that they make the smart decision and give that green dot to uh, to uh, um, Brian Cook. God dang it, not Brian Cook because he is probably not playing this week. Uh, Justin Reed. I hope they say, Justin Reed, you are the most experienced player on this defense. You have been the leader, and now you're going to wear the green dot for a game. And as much as, like, I don't want to see a lot more of Jamari Connor, I would much prefer to see, like, a 4 one or four, what would it be, 4 four one six of three safeties one linebacker and Willie Gay and four defensive linemen with our three. Like, I I don't want to see any other linebackers besides Willie Gay or Leo Chanel going forward. So I'd rather see Mike Williams, Shamari Connor, and Justin Reed or some combination of that many defensive backs because, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, not excited about it. Chica, what about you? What do you think the defense looks like if – Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil aren't able to go this coming week. Uh, yeah, like you said, I think it looks like what 
I think it looks like if you have Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman playing linebacker. All right, that's unfair. <laughs> um, but I think Willie Gay definitely hurt his value this week. I think he showed, hey, when I have to be assignment sound, I'm not as good. When I get to just kind of be crazy and run around, I'm great. When I have either Tranquil or Bolton next to me, who I know is going to be where they need to be. Um, so I think it'd be a lot of this week where you're going to get beat in the middle of the field a lot, which is what you know killed him this week of in in the run and the pass is like Cochran was getting sucked down and into runs a lot, and then late to react on passes. It was it was one of the times that Collinsworth pointed him out. He's like, "Look at Cochran here. He just read that pass perfectly." Well, I guess he didn't touch it. But when he waved his arm, it distracted the receiver, and what a great football play. I was like, nah, he was like two steps behind the starting NFL linebacker. I'm not going to say like the average NFL linebacker. I'm just going to say all the starters. As as we've always said with Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman, they read it perfectly, and that's not the problem. It's me playing defense and pickup basketball now, Sam. I'm like, I know where you're going. problem is I can't get there anymore. <laughs> because, because they're going to have to probably this week play without a couple of their – at least a couple of their key contributors. I can't imagine Brian Cook or Drew Tranquil goes this week. Maybe Nick Bolton. Maybe. We'll see. But – how many pieces can this defense lose and still stay in the top 10? Because they've already lost both signal callers and a young safety who I think exceeded most of our, if not all of our expectations for what he can be this as, as a safety just in general, but especially this year. Injury bug is, has bitten them pretty bad as of last week. So... How much more can they sustain and still continue to be a top 10 defense in the league? Jacob will let you bat lead off this time. I don't think they can lose another player. I think Nick Bolton needs to be back this week. Um, I don't think Drew Tranquil will be, you know, going through the concussion protocol and not be in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to try to rush him back. Uh, but I mean, it, you can't lose another safety. I don't feel like you really want to lose a defensive lineman. I feel like it's the only spot you can really probably absorb an injury. I mean, like you guys said, watching Chamari Connor made me realize, like, okay, maybe he's not Legereus Sneed Light. There's still a lot of work to be done there. Sam, what about you? Are you with Jacob that if they lose one more, you're looking at a defense that has some serious holes, or do you think they can continue to plug it, uh, plug those holes at least – for a little bit, depending on how many guys they lose. Uh, we're already negative one, Sean. With, uh, at the moment, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, and Brian Cook. I think at any given time, we cannot have more than two of those guys out. So if Nick Bolton's out and comes back, I, we're hurting. Don't get me wrong. We're hurting. But the Mike Edwards signing comes into fruition, and it's like, oh, Kind of like Drew Tranquil, that's going to be a, a good signing over time. But, no, Jacob's right. The, the place we can lose players is the defensive line. Not a lot of players, not specific players, but Tershawn Wharton goes down. I don't, I'm not – my feelings aren't getting hurt. Uh, do you guys remember who we drafted in the first round this year? I was just about to ask that. It's like That has been one of the <laughs> more strange things of the season is the other draft picks are starting to show up. And they don't trust does he, Felix. Does he travel? Uh, yes, because you know what? This is my one comment on the game about him was, wait, Felix and Yudika Uzama's on kickoff team? I'm like, and what purpose does that serve? Other than just like, hey, if we lose a body, that's the body we want to lose because we refuse to play him. I don't I don't know if he's good or bad. I have no idea because... he He's very much like Prasheer Rice's ability one beyond one yard past the line of scrimmage. We just don't know. We have no idea because he doesn't do it. So, yeah, I I, I honestly, it was the, the only weird games guys brought it up. And I was like, 
I honestly forgot he was a draft pick. Like, or where we drafted him. Like, I was like I, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, yeah, it's Felix. But he's been non-existent, and I forgot he was there. So, yeah, that that's fun. But, with the only weird, with the only weird game screwed, Nate Taylor did say that this is essentially going to be a redshirt season. Um, in the last podcast that I heard, I don't know if I listened to the most up to date one, but that was the last one that I remember listening to because it was. I think they were talking about how like he just doesn't exist. And and even yeah. more, and I wouldn't care at all if we didn't have a glaring need. At other positions, specifically one that makes our offensive offense go. And we decided to waste a first-round pick on a guy that just – we're going to redshirt him. He's not quite ready. So, so yeah. I mean, it worked for Mahomes. We had Alex Smith, Sean. <laughs> it worked for Sky Moore. Yeah. redshirted him last year. You got George Karloftis, man. They're redshirting Sky Moore this year, too. <laughs> Sky Moore like getting the rare – He's getting the COVID year. You know how in college the guys had three red shirts essentially this year? He's got three red shirts. Because they're going to red shirt him next year, and they're going to cut his ass. Yes. Aaron Rodgers, multiple red shirts. Sky Moore's career is not done yet. Sky Moore's dead. Um, I'm salty, Sean. The guys you to, like suck. I wanted I wanted Anya D.K. Osama to be on the field. I was really high on him. and Okay, one more follow-up question because I had to look up who the remaining Chiefs draft picks were after I said, like, hey, we've started to see some of the other Chiefs draft picks. We haven't really. We've seen two of the other ones. But how many redshirt defensive linemen do you get in a draft? Because they have B.J. Thompson and Keandre Coburn, who was not on their roster for a little while. The Keandre Coburn one actually pisses me off more than anything they've done with Phoenix to this point. Because I'm still I'm – st- Still on the belief that B.J. Thompson is on this team for one thing. And it's to make Orlando Brown Jr. look like an idiot. That's my <laughs> only belief why they drafted him. If it happens, I'm a genius. If it doesn't, he's just another waste of pick. Without looking it up, is he injured or? He's been the the healthy scratch, I think, most of the year. I, saying, I thought he oh, made okay. 53. Yeah. He's not on a practice squad. Okay. I think he's been a healthy scratch because I think they were – he's one of those players that I think they're like, I don't think we'd be able to keep him if we tried to put him on the practice squad. <laughs> they're like, um, we're not willing to find out the experiment of yeah. what would it look like if Kevin Durant played defensive end in the NFL? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll put some weight he on him. on the roster. He's listed as the third strings uh, left defensive end. All I know is it's if if – Neither Willie Gay or Drew Tranquil comes back this week, or obviously not Drew, but if Willie or uh, Nick Bolton, it might be uh, what is his name, Cam Jones. Cam, is that who we drafted out of? Yeah, might be his time. Or where was he at? Indiana. I think it's Indiana. Let me look real quick. Indiana, yeah, yeah, Indiana. It's it's his season. All six two two twenty five. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, man. Sorry for the rant. I just... No, it's great. It's the time when draft picks, I'm like, I'm I'm just frustrated because I see draft picks just wasted on the field. Just like Brett Veach just went down and lit them on fire, but they're in player form. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move ahead to something that I'm sure Jacob will be able to give us positive thoughts on, given how he feels about this next opponent. And that is the Buffalo Bills, 325 Arrowhead time at home. You get to play Buffalo, who is a team that has not lived up to expectations this year, but as Jacob has said, is one that still scares him because of Josh Allen Allen being an alien. So, Jacob, I want to start with you and just get your thoughts on this matchup with the Bills coming up uh, this coming Sunday. You played a desperate team last week in the Packers who needed a win and you didn't execute. I'm scared this week again, you know, because the Bills are in desperation mode. But it's like, are you in desperation mode or are you in circus mode? That's always the tough thing to judge with a team that's borderline playoffs or not. And, you know, with the Bills, it seems like more of a situation because they aren't a young team anymore. They do 
have a bunch of guys that it's like, this is our third or fourth time really going for it. Like we're a Super Bowl caliber caliber team in our own heads. It's not like the Packers who like we're young, we're playing young players. We think we're it's all coming together finally. So yeah, it's tough to say, but I'm not looking forward to prediction time. Sam, what about you? What are your thoughts on the upcoming matchup with a team that has been one that has never been easy with with the Buffalo Bills? How do you think the Chiefs match up? Uh, as long as we have 13 seconds, I'm perfectly comfortable. Or we have to go anywhere near the end of the game. Because I, the the one thing that blows me away about, about the Bills, and at the end of the day, it comes down – it has to come down to coaching is I just, I don't trust them in close games. And I don't feel like Pat will let this kind of game get out of hand. Like he, he, this is the kind of game where Pat goes from, I'm the best quarterback in the league to I'm God. And I will make this happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, with all the talent that team has, I, I just don't – I don't know. I, they're one of those teams I'm like, I don't – I don't know if they scare me at all. I, they're just the Bills. And, like, I'm not denying they're not good or they have a lot of talented players, but they're the Bills. I don't love it. I'll be real. I don't love it. Not right now with how the Chiefs offense has played. Although the Chief, the Bills defense hasn't been great this year either with the losses that they've suffered through injury with uh, Milano being out and then Von Miller has been hurt and in trouble with the law. It's been a frustrating thing with that. So maybe it's a good time to get the bills, even if it's not a great time to, if you're the chiefs to try and play a team that's historically been very difficult for you. I am, I am optimistic that if Nick Bolton can go, that that will fix a few of the problems, at least as far as like, calling the plays, getting things set up, and taking away the run game. I'm I'm hopeful with that, but we'll see. I'm I'm not loving the matchup. I still would, I think, favor the Chiefs, but it's going to be tight, I think. Let's wrap things up with some final score and bold predictions. Uh, before we dive into those, let's get a recap of what happened last week. Uh, we all picked Chiefs to win, so we all lost there. Uh, Sam, you had the Chiefs winning 31-17 and getting six sacks. They got two in that game. Uh, Jacob, you had the Chiefs winning 34-20 with the Chiefs uh, taking that one. And uh, Rasheed Rice getting 100 yards receiving. We continue to jinx the man uh, as we continue to go. I said the Chiefs would win 28-13. And Travis Kelsey would get 150 yards receiving. And he was just over halfway there when the game ended. So, not great. Uh, let's find out how wrong we're going to be this coming weekend. Um, Jacob will let you bat leadoff. Final score, bold predictions. What do you got? All right. I'll go with I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to be a positive guy, even though I don't feel great. 27-24, Chiefs. And my bold prediction is... Nick Bolton. He's back. Defensive touchdown. That is bold. Sam, what about you? Final score, bold predictions. What do you got? Uh, let's go 30-27, Chiefs. Again, we'll come down to the Bills choking at the end. And I got to go back to to what what my uh, what I've been making hay with this year. Stephon Diggs, four catches, 30 yards. And Gabe Davis does not score a touchdown. Uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, how big of a hissy fit does he throw after he does that? Oh, massive. He doesn't leave Kansas City. Like, he's on the field for all of next week just standing there. Uh, and then how many tweets does that elicit from his brother? One, but it, it breaks Twitter. One, but it shatters Twitter way more than the first one did. I will say the Chiefs get the dub and win 24-21. to 21. Bold prediction is... I think Chris Jones has a 
has a big day against Josh Allen. I think he likes getting after these guys like Burrow and Allen, those those top tier quarterbacks that just not the bottom tier guys. No. Let's them do whatever they want. For whatever reason. He just wants them to have a great day. But I will say that Jones gets two and a half sacks in this game. I think they will I think he'll want three and he'll feel jilted that they split one with another defensive lineman. Alright everybody, that's gonna do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us each and every week. Hopefully next week we'll yield more positive results that we get to discuss and bring us another Chiefs win. Until next time, you all stay safe out there and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.